If you have your Bibles with you, I'd, I'd ask you to open them up with me to the Old Testament book of Jonah as we are wrapping up a sermon series today called Known in the Unknown. And we've been looking at these times in our lives, and, and now especially sometimes in the lives of some Old Testament stories that, that maybe they're characters that we haven't heard from since we were in Sunday school. But we, we're looking at the known in the unknown in our world, which right now we live in this world. There's so many unknowns. When are the kids going to go back to school? When can I go back to work without wearing a mask? When can I go and eat in a restaurant with other people? When can I go to the movies? There's so many unknowns. But there are, for the Christians, so many knowns. Amen? We're looking at the last three chapters in the book of Jonah. We looked at chapter 1 last week. Many of you know the story, and you've heard the story of Jonah and the whale, right? Last week, we really didn't see much about the whale, and, and to tell you the truth, we're not going to see much about that character in, uh, today. But we did learn last week from Jonah that if we don't go voluntarily where God is sending us, then we are refusing salvation for other people. We're making their choice for them if we don't get up and go where God is sending us. We also learned that there's no place that we could run where God cannot see you. You can't get out of his sight. We also saw that, that cutting yourself off from the world, it is not going to stop the work of the gospel. Just because you don't do the work of the gospel doesn't mean it's not going to spread. It's going to spread. Jonah was willing to cut himself off totally in order to hold on to his disobedience. We also learned that God just might be arranging nature in a way to bring you back into obedience. Some people will think, well... Yeah, th things in my life that are just not, not going well. It, it, it just seems like, like everything is against me. And I, I wonder if, if, if maybe God has arranged nature to bring you back into obedience. That's what God did with Jonah. At the end of chapter 1 in this Old Testament book, verse number 17, it simply reads like this. It says, Now the Lord had arranged... For a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So previous to this, previous to Jonah being swallowed by this giant fish, Jonah was disobedient to God. God had told him, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to, to talk to the Ninevites, people who you can't stand, and bring them to the kingdom. Tell them about me. And Jonah, because of his, his hate for the Assyrians and his hate for the Ninevites, wanted to get as far away from God as he could. So he ran. He ran and he got on a boat and he went out in the ocean as far as he could. And Jonah actually legitimately chose suicide over obedience. He told the sailors on the ship, there's this big storm. And, they, they, and he says, hey, it's my fault. I'm running from God tell you what, Jonah says, just throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. You know what happens when you throw somebody overboard a ship in the middle of the ocean? They die. That's what happens. Jonah knew that. He was willing, 
He so cared about his disobedience so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own life to continue living in disobedience. God arraigned nature because he wasn't done with Jonah. This big fish comes and swallows up Jonah, and inside this fish, Jonah realized that his literal suicidal attempt was unsuccessful. Imagine you have the guys throw you off a ship. You're expecting to wake up in heaven a few minutes later. You don't. You wake up and you're looking at everything else that the fish just ate. Like, what, what, what is this? Like, oh, that attempt did not work very well. I want you to see what happens. We're in Jonah chapter 2, verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean's depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wind and stormy waves. Then I said, Oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Jonah realizes that he's not dead. And he gives prayers to the Lord right away. I want you to see this. For those of you taking notes or for those of you online, where's our camera? It's over here. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. We have, it's more of a question than a point. Have we recognized and acknowledged that our disobedience leads to God's judgment? Have we acknowledged that? Have we recognized that? Does it ever feel in your life like we're in the depths of the ocean? Has it ever felt like we have, we have sunken down to, to just the, 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 the bottom of the waters? You look up and there's nothing you can see. That the mighty waters are engulfing us. You know those times that you've been, you feel so alone. Nothing at all is going right. And no matter what we do, we can't seem to turn this around. Jonah cried out. You know what he did right away? He admitted his guilt. And he vowed to turn around and to follow God's plan for his life. See, when we're in those moments... When things seem so far away from us, maybe it's that we're so far away from God. That's where Jonah was. I don't know how much further away from God you can get from inside the belly of a fish. That's quite a ways away from wherever God is. 
And, and Jonah says this at the beginning of this prayer. He says, God, you have driven me from your temple. That leads us to the question of why. Why did God drive Jonah from his temple? Would it be fair to say that God in his temple cannot allow pure, uh, um, pure disobedience, somebody whose heart is hateful and disobedient to be in his presence? You cannot bring sin into God's presence. This is what Jonah wants. He wants to be with God, but he wants to also live in his sinful lifestyle of hate and disobedience to God. Those don't mix. And so he says, God, you have driven me from your temple. Do you think that we could spend time and, 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 and we can cover ourselves in the glory of God while we are covering ourselves in the sin of this world? You can't wear both of those blankets. You can't carry them both around. But then Jonah said this. He says, yeah, I will look once more at your holy temple. He says, I will repent and I will turn back to you. And then he says, I will sacrifice to you. On the ship, before he was thrown over, Jonah was willing to sacrifice his own life to hold on to his disobedience. And now things have changed. I wonder if there's times in our lives where there's things that Christ is asking us to give up, but we are willing to sacrifice our connection to Christ because we want to hold on to these things of the sinful world. What is it that we are not letting go of? In Jonah's life, now things have changed. He tells God, you know what? Okay, I'm back. I'm on track. I'm here. I'm ready. Get me out of this fish, I'm going to Nineveh. Got myself a ticket, some clean clothes, I'm ready to go. Chapter 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh, the city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, and he took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap, and he sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent out this decree throughout the, sea, the city. No one, not even the animals from the herds of your flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. From inside that fish, 
Jonah prayed and said, I'm going to turn around, God. I'm going to follow your commands, and I'm going to go. We see an entire city now turned around because of the words of Jonah. I want you to see this. Point number two in your notes is this. When you speak about Jesus, people will hear you. I know that that sounds pretty elementary. But when you speak about Jesus, people will hear you. Now, that doesn't mean that people are going to listen to you, that they're going to take in everything that you've said. But you cannot walk around talking about Jesus without somebody hearing you talk about Jesus. Amen? Isaiah 55, verse number 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not be returned to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, this is God speaking, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word does not return void. It won't. You might be speaking to somebody in your home. It's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a brother, sister, mother, daughter, visitor, you might be reading your Bible at the Starbucks when they open again. I'm really ready for Starbucks to open again. You might be sitting down reading and, and just talking to somebody. You cannot have a conversation about Jesus without somebody hearing you. It doesn't happen. Now here's one thing, though. You can still be mad. Jonah was still mad. You can still be angry at where God has sent you. You can still be frustrated with what he has asked you to do. That's okay. It's not your job. It's God's job to send you. It's your job to follow. It's your job to follow his command. You need to tell people about Jesus. That's the goal. That's the job. The other emotions that we have really are irrelevant to our job. Now, is it, is it much better to go and to, to talk to people about Jesus with a very loving heart? Absolutely it is. But see, if we're in a point like, like Jonah was to where his hatred for somebody else, in this case, another race of people, was so deep that he refused to talk to them about God's saving grace, Jonah had made a choice about their salvation. I wonder if by keeping quiet, we make a choice about somebody's salvation in our world. I don't know who it is who we have trouble maybe speaking with. But I wonder if, if our frustration to maybe a different group of people keeps us from sharing God's grace with them as our disobedience makes a decision on somebody else's salvation. Jonah chapter 4 reads like this. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. He complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will, will not happen. And the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out 
to the east side of the city, and he made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat on his head until he grew faint and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, Jonah exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all of the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Look what Jonah cares about. I wonder if his cares are put in the wrong spot. He's full of complaints. This guy is a, is a prophet. He's a prophet of God. He's one that, that the sailors would look at as a preacher. The people of Nineveh would look at as a prophet, somebody who is bringing the words of God. But he goes into private and he just does nothing but complain to God. Don't send me to those people. Give me some shade. Why did you take away my shade? Oh, you took away my shade. You know what? I should just die right here. I'm looking around here. There's not a whole lot of people under shade right now. We brought our, we brought our own shade. But let me, let me ask you this. Of anyone who's in the shade right now, if that shade were to go, if that tree isn't there, are we crying out to God and say, just kill me now. I don't have any shade. Just like, you know what? I mean, I tried on the boat to, you know, end it, but I don't have any shade. Can you just end it for me right now? Like, he's complaining about these small things. I wonder if we love comfort more than we love seeing other people saved. I wonder if there's any moment in our lives when we've been told to go somewhere and to talk to somebody and it's terribly uncomfortable, but we love our comfort more than we love their salvation. Our comfort is absolutely a zone, is it not? It is a zone that we like to be in, and we get, man, it can really get so frustrating when we're told to get out of that zone. But many times, almost every time, you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, you have to get out of that comfort zone because they're not going to come into yours. Jonah was mad that this shade plant was gone, and he said he was so angry, ready to die. You know what would have happened if Jonah would have died when he was thrown off of that ship? 120,000 people would not have come into God's graces. 120,000 people, the Bible says. One man. 
120,000 people. We have no clue how many more people came to know God because of Jonah after this incident. God used him even though he didn't want to go. Imagine how useful Jonah could have been if he was right on board with God's plan. If he was there, if he would have said right away, you know what, you're sending me to Nineveh to talk to them about you, but I'm going to stop nine times between here and there. I'm going to tell every city about you on my way to Nineveh. What if he would have done that? He got a chance to talk to a few sailors in the inside of a fish, but he probably could have had so much more effectiveness following God's plan for his life. Here's the third point in your notes this morning, and this is going to sound very elementary also. Whatever is keeping you from telling others about Jesus is keeping you from telling others about Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that's exactly what it's doing. Is it fear? It's keeping you from telling other people about Jesus. Even more than that, it means that it's keeping somebody else from hearing from you about Jesus. See, we don't earn salvation by our works. There's no meter. There's no number counter that shows how many doors you knocked on. There's no big scoreboard up there that that says, oh, you know, pastor knocked on 1,500 doors. That doesn't happen. But I'll tell you what there is. Into the gates are people who you spoke with, are people who you shared the gospel with. But standing across that chasm in that other line over there, those are the people that we didn't speak with. Those are the ones that God is sending us to speak with and to talk to about. It's comfortable in this line. It's comfortable here among believers. It's very, it's cozy. But if we tell God no, and if we determine for somebody else their salvation, isn't that somewhat on us? How will they know if nobody tells them? You say, oh, you know what, Pastor? Everyone has access to a Bible. In our days, chances are everyone that you run into has access to a Bible. I won't argue that point. You can probably find 25 different versions on your phone within the next 25 seconds. I get it. Let me ask you, the first time you read through that Bible, if you've read through that entire thing, did you understand it word for word every single time? Uh-uh. You know what you needed? You needed somebody to come alongside you, right? You needed somebody to teach you, somebody to believe in you, somebody who you could follow. You needed Jonah to show up. You needed somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to come out of my comfort zone and I'm going to teach so that we could learn what if that person 
who brought you to Jesus never left wherever they were. None of us would be here. I can't tell you what would, what would have happened if my mother growing up hadn't drilled the gospel into my brother and myself. I don't know. Maybe somebody else would have come along. I hope. Here's the thing. Those people in your life, the people you see at the bank, the people you see at the store, the people you run into as you're out and about in wherever you can be, standing six feet. You know that you can tell somebody about Jesus within six feet? I can turn off this microphone. I'm sure, I'm sure Ms. Anna Sanchez could probably hear me back there. I can tell you about Jesus as far back, right? Does a mask keep us from telling people about Jesus? No. Does socially distancing keep us from telling other people about Jesus? No. You know what does, though? Self-distancing. It's that purposeful distancing that we create between ourselves and that place that God has told us to go. I don't know where God has told you to go, but I can tell you that he has told you to go. He's given us all a commission to go into the, all the world to teach his name and to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I will be with you always. You're not in this alone. When God sends you to Nineveh, he's not sending you alone. He's right there with you. And when you run, you can't run and get away. He's still right there with you. And when you're talking to somebody outside your comfort zone, he's still right there with you. When you're at the bottom of the ocean and things aren't going well and you can't see a way out, let me tell you something, God's right there with you. I'm wondering if we're calling on him. I'm wondering if we're turning and recognizing recognizing that our disobedience leads to judgment. What happens when we turn our disobedience into praise and glorifying God and walking right back to him? You want to talk about a change in a life. See, here's the thing. We don't get to determine what that changed life is like. It's not our job to be happy. It's our job to be obedient. Amen. Let's pray.